Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by my guest, Nick Barron of Beaker and Press Games. Welcome. Hello. It's nice I, to be here. It's good to have you. It's good to have you. Now, you've done quite a few games. You, you kind of make a lot of stuff kind of in the Dungeon Crawl Classics world. Is that correct? That is correct. Could you tell us about some of the stuff that you have out there that let the listeners know kind of what you've been putting out? Okay, so uh, quick a quick rundown. Um, I put out an adventure module called The Precipice of Corruption. Um, it is a zero-level funnel, as uh, every good uh, first Dungeon Crawl Classics thing should be. But uh, I put out a bunch of zines, because the zine culture around Dungeon Crawl Classics is real strong. Yeah. Um, so Wide-Eyed Terror, Rabid Dogs, The Tome of Debasement. And I love doing a zine format, because I can be like, oh, I want to focus on this one thing. Oh, I'm going to do all evil cleric spells. Oh, I'm going to do a couple of character classes. Oh, I'm going to do... Uh, Encounter-sized adventure, so it really allows me to jump around to different things that I enjoy. That, that's good. How did you get yourself into the dungeon crawl classics gaming and world and whatnot? How where did that start at? <laughs> so I was super excited to get back into RPGs. Like the nostalgia kicked in real strong around 2015, 2016. Yeah, <laughs> and I I dabbled in in uh, in five E, and it just didn't. It didn't give me that feeling that I had when I was, you know, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, I started because I started gaming it at eight. So I, I had a, a really strong feeling that I wanted to try and capture and 5e wasn't doing it. And so I kind of floundered around and then I found out about Dungeon Crawl Classics looking at what was coming up for free RPG day. Oh, yeah. And I sent somebody in to go get the free, uh, my, my partner at the time, to go get the free quick start uh, guide because I had to work that day. And when I had that thing in my hands, I was like, this is what I wanted. <laughs> and then I found out about their generous third-party license, um, and I was off to the races. As soon as I started writing content, I was like, I want to publish this content. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's good. Now, there was one that you had that stuck out to me. And and kind of my interest was called Broken Contract was a game you put together. Could you tell oh. me about that a little bit? So the reason why I had disappeared from, from RPGs for a long time is because I got super into miniature wargaming. <laughs> Somewhere in the mid-90s, I, I got into Warhammer and then got into Necromunda and, and, and 40K. And I just was immersed in miniatures for years and years and years. <laughs> and I had reached a point in uh, 2013 where I was helping out with another game company that made a game called Wreckage. Mm -hmm. We ended up like kind of splitting off and I had torn my ACL working on a moving truck. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. Part of my recovery was I sat down and I started sketching out rules to my own miniature game called Broken Contract. <laughs> And coming from punk roots, very into, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of the workers rising up. And so my miniature game was meant to be a replacement for Necromunda because at the time Necromunda didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and it was all about the workers rising up against their fascist oppressors. I, I really, really appreciate it. That's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That we need more games about that. <laughs> yes, we do. We need some more, some more LARPing and maybe more. Anyways, 
How did you start doing that and, and creating like, well, I guess skirmish type like yep, games? Skirmish. You you started getting into that. How did you start making them from like just playing them? Because a lot of times we talk to folks who are putting together just a, yeah. a game book, but not necessarily skirmish games. We have a few skirmish games, but what I did was I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a game, and I went through a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of different ideas of of what I wanted to do. And at the time, I was really I was watching a lot of Firefly. <laughs> um, Cowboy Bebop. I had just seen uh, right after I started writing the game, I saw the movie Snowpiercer. <laughs> and uh, all of these were all like bubbling in my head. And there were some things that, that normal miniature games didn't capture because usually there's a two action economy. Usually you move and you shoot. And I wanted to do something where you could do more than that because I wanted to feel more like an action adventure yeah, um, where you could do a dive roll under a, under a closing door. And then so... So it's RPG light. And so, yeah, I just started, I started crafting this idea in my head and, and messing around. And I invited some people over to, uh, to sit down and play. And I had the perfect group of initial play testers because there was, you know, a bunch of punk rockers that all, all wanted, wanted to try this game. And one of them sat down and he immediately says, pounds on the table says, I want to be a fascist. Oh, um, no, no. <laughs> but, but he made the perfect villain. Um, and so, um, they sat down in the first playthrough. It it went really well, but it of course needed needed tweaking. And so I sat down and, and just kept tweaking and playtesting and tweaking and playtesting until it was a thing that I felt really proud of. So you're you're in you've done a lot of Kickstarters, it seems, mm -hmm. uh, and you had quite a few like. And when, what year did you start doing these back in, let's see here. The first Kickstarter, I think was in 2015 or 2016, mm -hmm. but I'd started writing Broken Contract in 2013. And then in 2017 is when I became uh, obsessed with Dungeon Crawl Classics. And so I was still doing Broken Contract and Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff. And then the pandemic happened and you couldn't play miniature games in person anymore. Oh, no. And so then... It just kind of pushed pushed me into uh, one realm over the other for a bit. When you started getting into zines and putting out zines for DCC, what was the what what was it that like was the I guess the inspiration for doing that for putting your zines out into the world? Okay, so uh, one of the uh, side projects that's not mentioned probably in anything that you looked at is there is a punks versus skins versus metalheads. <laughs> miniature war game called uh wild in the streets um you should look it up um that's a song ain't it <laughs> yes it is it is um and so uh so this guy chris kohler who does slow death games um out of california out of san diego he has his own game called called wild in the streets and i ended up doing a cut and paste style zine for his game called tooth chipper and it i just really enjoyed like doing the cut and paste layout and, and, and taking pictures of miniatures and, and doing this thing. And I just, it, it felt right. And so when I discovered that there was this huge zine culture around DCC, I found out about zine quest and saw that a bunch of people were doing uh, DCC zines on Z quest. And so when zine quest two came around, I had a bunch of articles that I had written for my players, different character classes and things. And I'm like, I'm going to do a zine called Rabid Dogs. <laughs> Rabid Dogs being a reference to a uh, Korsna Conformity song. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, so yeah, so I, uh, in all of the article names, uh, I want to be your dog, um, Road to Ruin, <laughs> like all, all of the articles in there are all named uh, after punk songs. 
That's good. So rabid dogs, I, I, I was just like, oh, I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff together and see if people like it. And uh, it it was a, a moderately successful uh, um, Kickstarter. It only did like, you know, $1,500 around, mm-hmm. um, but it allowed me to put together the zine. Now I was going to do cut and paste layout, but the pandemic happened and I couldn't hang out at the, at the uh, copy shop like I normally would. And so I ended up having a friend lay it out in um, InDesign. Um, and then from there, I ended up, uh, he ended up teaching me InDesign and I started doing my own layouts, but yeah, the, the zine format, it's, it's just like a, a, a perfect thing for how my brain works. I actually just recently discovered that I have ADHD and never knew that, um, (laughs) suspected. I know all about that. I I got diagnosed very young in in the 80s. I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome and ADHD. Ah, (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was the perfect format for how my brain works. It's like, I can, I can just explode a bunch of ideas out into, into the world and then be like, all right, 32 pages, I'm done. I can move on to the next thing. <laughs> Actually, Now I'm curious with like, cause for me, when I first started getting exposed to zines, it was not around games originally. It was, nope. so I, I, when did you first discover zines to begin with? Oh, <laughs> oh that, um, that so I was at a show at the river rock cafe in Buffalo, New York around 1989 or 90. Mm-hmm. And some kid pulled a uh, out of his backpack. He pulled like a, <laughs> the most over photocopied thing you could possibly imagine. It was just like black splotches you <laughs> to make out that somebody was holding a microphone. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't even saddle stitched. It was uh, you know stapled in the corner. Oh yeah, um, and <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. This kid wrote this. And so then I started, um, I ran a record label, um, a uh, straight edge hardcore record label for 20 years called Third Party Records. And um, I did my own my own zine called the Third Party Newsletter. Um, and so I started doing cut and paste around 91, 92, 92. Yeah, it just became a, a format that I like. It, they, I'd say that what exists today in the zine scene, especially in the gaming world, there's a lot of really nice, high quality stuff out there. It's beautiful pieces yeah. of art, but it's very different from what I first discovered yep. when it came to discovering zines. Yep. Almost night and day. It's, yeah. it's almost taken on its own, uh, a different direction, a whole new world there, you could say. Yeah, I, I actually recorded a few years ago, Um, I recorded a YouTube video that was titled every self-publishing project is not a zine <laughs> and needless to say it caused much chagrin <laughs> about around a lot of people and so uh um i i still stand stand by it but you know you know i if people think that they're full color um you know uh a uh, 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 bound thing is a zine i, I guess i can't argue with them but I don't think it is. <laughs> we do. We do a lot of a lot of those zines and stuff that people are putting out. I guess kind of one of our big focuses. I, I'm the thing I like is that like, well, looking at back at like the 90s and stuff, what you had access to was a photocopier. There was no yeah. like I worked in illustration and design and layout for many years. Mm-hmm. And I was there before there was an InDesign. Mm-hmm. And before there was accessible like layout software, because InDesign yeah. compared to what came before was night and day. It's, a little page maker. <laughs> page maker. Oh, <laughs> we used we used to use Quark, uh, oh, the old yep. Quark, and that was a beast compared to what they put it with InDesign. Yep. But making like professional publishing tools, 
accessible with especially now affinity a lot of have you tried out affinity or check their tools I, out I, I, because i have a free copy of, of <laughs> i don't need it we use it i use affinity these days i got rid of the i got rid of the, uh, the adobe I, I've, I've been i after working for so long oh, oh screw adobe never again no more adobe. <laughs> i'm all anti-adobe i ran against it usually not on publicly on air but if i'm home alone i'll it's one of those companies that i'll there's a few companies i'll scream and yell and be a cantankerous old man about how evil they are yeah, <laughs> and Adobe that's fair <laughs> but yeah like like seriously it, it is more accessible like like the first time i ever put together a zine and like something like that as a kid i was a little art kid and, and i'd make little uh, comics and whatnot and i had access to like my my dad had an office printer and that was what mm-hmm. you had access to yep. like, oh go to dad's work and i could run it off there at dad's work yep. <laughs> so yeah it, it's been a huge change now uh, some of the zines that you've been putting together with dcc I, i'd like to kind of go back to those and talk yeah, about that sure. where where can folks like where where is your stuff available out there for people to look at and check out and all of my zines are available on drive through rpg um, so if you want to check it out in PDF format and, and see if it's something that's for you, you can purchase them through uh, my web store, um, which is breakerpressgames.com. You can also get them through um, Goodman Games, um, the Goodman Games web store. Uh, Joseph Goodman is fantastic about supporting all of his third party creators. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, all of my stuff is available through Goodman Games. And then I just started putting stuff up on Itch. So Itch has some of my stuff. I even have uh, a pamphleted adventure for a game, a really cool game from a designer here called Bump in the Dark, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a, a story game. It's a, a forged in the dark game. Yeah. And my, my pamphlet adventure is uh, called The Black Balloon, and it is a, uh, a fun little romp in an X-Files-ish, Scooby-Doo-ish type world. And so, uh, so yeah, so I've got a bunch of different stuff all over the place. I'll probably have another Kickstarter in uh, February when ZineQuest comes around, because that's how I roll. Actually, ZineQuest, we have moving. A lot going on with Zinquest. It's been crazy. Some of the cool stuff that's been coming out of there. Yeah. No, I want for a minute. Like Goodman Games has been very supportive of folks making zines. Yes. How has that process been? And getting like because they're carrying like a lot of the fanzines and stuff like that, and they yep. have been since well before Zinquest popped off. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So, so Goodman Games, as I said, they have a very generous third-party license. You know, essentially, you get to keep all the money from whatever whatever you make. All you need to do is send it to Joseph Goodman and get Joseph Goodman's approval. And so he will make suggestions, like things as little as uh, you didn't have a, uh, a compass rose on your map, so that uh, people know which way is north. Um, to things like, um, hey, the Tome of Debasement might want to have a, uh, you know, a parental guidance warning on it. <laughs> uh, you know, he he will occasionally, you know, say, you know, you need to change this. Um, but for the most part, you know, he just wants to see people making cool stuff around his game. Because, you know, if, if people are playing DCC because they love my grim dark horror stuff, you know, that that's only beneficial to him. Um, and then as far as him carrying stuff, um, he pays better than wholesale rates um, because he really wants to support the the people that make third-party content. It, it, it has been a fantastic relationship, and I can't say enough good things about Joseph Goodman and Goodman Games. I'm glad to hear that. We, we've definitely, I've, I've picked, I've, honestly, I have to. Nicely, but I've got a lot of a lot of DCC stuff and MCC stuff. We've played it quite a bit over the years, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's been and 
when Gateway Games was still around, Todd from Gateway Games had a pretty good selection of DCC stuff and had a pretty good relationship there as well. So that's kind of where we started getting into it. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, I'm rambling. I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Where can folks find you online? Not just your products, but is there any place they should be oh, checking yeah. out? Or Yeah, I hang out on Twitter um, at Broken Contract on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Broken Contract. Um, I have a Patreon and that is a great way to be able to not only read like my blog posts and game design articles and things like that, but also support me if you are interested. But uh, yeah, so those those are like the, the big places to find me, but also itch. Um, I just got approved to uh, release content on Roll app. If you're familiar with that VTT, most people aren't. No, what is that? What is that? I need um, so Roll is, um, it really was based around this, the story game community. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I got introduced to it. But it is a VTT that's very stripped down. It's built around being a communication platform first. So um, you don't have to have like Roll20 with Zoom open. Mm -hmm. um, it is basically Zoom with a dice roller and maps and character sheets. And so that is that was how it was built, was to be a communication platform first. Um, it yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's pretty cool. And yeah, they they are just doing a uh, an introductory uh, program uh, allowing people to uh, sell content through their VTT. So Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok now at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could use any support we can get. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>